From a fruit market in Tel Aviv to a fish seller in Taipei, the people of our world are working hard to make a living. Are you listening? Tune in to the sounds of your world on Radio Taiwan International. Welcome to Radio Taiwan International. Coming up, we have 50 minutes of English language features for you. Uh, we have Newsmakers with Tomasz Koper and In the Spotlight with Shirley Lin. But first, it's here in Taiwan. Welcome to Here in Taiwan, the show where we talk about some of the stories that didn't make it onto our news bulletin. If you're joining us live, it's Wednesday, January the 26th. And if you're listening on the radio, by the power of delay, in the words of Leslie Liao, it's Thursday, January the 7th, uh, 27th. Rather. I'm Stash Butler, and joining me in the studio is Harrison Kay. Hello, hello, hello. And Tomasz Koper. Hello. <laughs> uh, coming up... Uh, in China, you do talk about Fight Club. What the hell does that mean? We're going to be finding out later. China is likely to be behind uh, the Taiwan controversy over Lithuanian rum price. Uh, and a woman in Tainan buys uh, snacks for 4 NT and wins 10 million in a lottery. What would you spend that money on? We'll be talking about that later. All that coming up. Yeah, well, first off, I think we should uh, address the elephant in the room, uh, which uh, the elephant is sitting beside me here. It is Harrison Kay. Welcome to uh, to Radio Taiwan International, Harrison. Well, thanks so much for having me. It's well, I mean, I suppose you've, you've been here for a while, actually, but um, Harrison's been hiding upstairs in yeah. our in our office. Um, and Harrison, yeah, what do you what do you talk? What, what are you doing here? <laughs> I mean, not in this room, but, you know, what are you doing more generally? Uh... Yeah. <laughs> so I'm currently a student at the University of Oxford in England, and I'm here on my year abroad in Taiwan at the moment, um, studying Chinese. So I'm currently interning here at Radio Taiwan International. I host a weekly show called Climate Crunch, where I talk about what's going on in Taiwan's environmental news. And so I thought I'd swing by to here in Taiwan today and see what's going on. Yeah, well, glad to have you. How, yeah. are, you, how are you enjoying your time in Taiwan so far? Oh, I'm loving it. It's just the most <laughs> exciting place. It's just like doing crazy weird things and traveling around and, you know, I'm just the best time here. So I'm really grateful to be here. Yeah, well, we're grateful to have you here too. I yeah. mean, what's the weirdest thing that you've done in Taiwan <laughs> that you can talk about? Oh, on gosh, the air? that I can talk about. <laughs> yeah, on the yeah air. that's uh, air appropriate. Oh, gosh, the weirdest thing in Taiwan. Um, Getting into the back of a random woman's car in Taidong, and she said she'd take us to a hot spring. And then, oh, where, did, through, where did she take you? <laughs> well, yeah, halfway through the journey, she said, Oh, what about if I go and sell you all off? I was with my friends. <laughs> and we kind of awkwardly laughed. And then she took us to some random apartments and sat us down. And then it turns out she was getting a swim caps to take us to the hot springs. So we did actually oh, end up at the hot springs okay. with three swim caps. But for a period of time, we were all very, very worried about what was going to happen. <laughs> this woman is actually going to sell you. Yes, yes, yeah, yes. you get some fun stories. I think I was, I was, I thought you were going to go the um, karaoke taxi route. Have you been? You haven't been in that yet. Karaoke taxi. Oh, you, you oh. haven't seen that yet. Um, 
Yeah, there yeah. are a few of those. There is a there is a, a a man actually. I did I did a kind of little report. Um, man called oh, what's his name? Tu Qingliang, uh, who rides around Taipei and he's got a kind of whole karaoke system installed in his taxi. Wow. Um, so there are plenty more kind of car based adventures coming for you. <laughs> oh gosh, I'm nervous. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, are you enjoying are you enjoying working at Ta- uh, Radio Taiwan International? Yeah, it's great. I'm loving being able to you know research and talk about different things going on with the environment here in Taiwan. I'm quite passionate about the environment. And so it's great to just, you know, be able to research these stories and share them, uh, you know, online and on the air. And so I think it's already great team to work with and a really great place to be yeah i mean I, I, if any of our listeners uh any people tuning in have any questions about taiwan's environment or <laughs> or things you know harrison is going to answer them promptly and of course, accurately of course. and knowledgeably uh, and knowledgeably yeah in a very authoritative manner uh, <laughs> uh, as soon as you send them in so let us know uh, what you want to hear Okay, uh, how about we get on to our first story? So, yeah, Thomas, talk us through this. In China, you do talk about you Fight Club. You do talk <laughs> about Fight Club, it turns out. Um, so, for um, those of you who have not seen the movie, which includes Harrison, <laughs> spoiler alert, spoiler minor alert. spoilers. I mean, we have to talk about the ending because that's the part that was changed in China. So, if you remember, the movie ends with... Uh, the uh, uh, buildings, the financial center of whatever city the movie is set in, uh, collapsing and crumbling, and then there's a a, a, a line from uh, Edward Norton's character: um, "You've met me at a very weird time of my life." And that's how the movie ends. <laughs> I forgot. And then all I remember is the, the uh, is it the Pixies? I, I think it's Pixies. The pi- yeah. It's the Danny, Danny, that song, which is I, I used to be in a Pixies uh, where, cover band. Like, oh, where is, where's my mind? Where is my mind? That, that's the one. Yeah. yeah. Uh, the one we never played because it's so oh, yeah. overplayed. <laughs> uh, and in China, turns out this ending was not to the satisfaction of the censors, uh, who decided to give it a little spin and <laughs> change the story of the movie. That's an important distinction because the book is, differs slightly uh, to uh, reflect the... Uh, preference of of the Chinese (laughs) state. The political preference. The political preference. (laughs) So it turns out that in the Chinese version, uh, Tyler or, uh, well, the the main, the protagonist Mm, mm. turns himself in to the authorities, gives them the information necessary to capture the rest of the the, uh, guerrilla slash terrorist uh, organization that he was putting together. And then uh, voluntarily goes to a psychiatric hospital where he undergoes treatment and then rejoins society. So, so what I'm wondering here, it, do they film all of this? Oh no, it's just a uh, it's text on screen. It's text on oh. screen. Yes. Okay. <laughs> I, was say, I was like, wow. I mean, that's really kind of bowing to yeah. the pressure. <laughs> if they got well, Edward Norton, Edward Norton <laughs> flying to China 25 years yeah. after completing the original movie yeah. for reshoots, or like you know, yeah, just like they, or they, you know, that suddenly I've. I'm suddenly aware of this thing that in every movie they shoot two endings, you know, oh. one for the... But okay, that is not the case. Um, that Yeah, that's quite an incredible change. Well, this is not the only, nor, nor even the first movie that um, had different ending in China. I mean, there must be a lot of text endings yes. then. Oh, God. <laughs> that must be something that you're quite used to as a, as a Chinese well, viewer. <laughs> have you, well, the, the, there are movies that actually have different endings that were shot for the Chinese market. Oh, really? Um, so do you, uh, do you guys know in, Infernal Affairs? 
No. Oh, um, that, is that a Korean one? Uh, it's a it's a Hong Kong movie Hong Kong. with Andy Lau, right? And, uh, star Oh, right, yeah, no, um, yeah. And and this was the basis for um, a later movie called uh, the. <laughs> Irish Mafia. Um, oh, The Departed. Uh, Departed. Yeah, yeah, Departed. Yeah, 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 that yeah. is the one that I'm looking for. So Departed is based on Infernal Affairs. And in Infernal Affairs and in Departed... Have you seen this? Have no. Oh. Harrison is really very very really yeah. showing up. <laughs> so the person who comes out on top in the, or in the Hong Kong original and also in Departed is not the person who comes out on top oh. in the Chinese version where the that person gets arrested oh i see so they actually shot a different ending for the chinese market for distribution in china wow so it does happen and but it has not happened um to that extent before i guess that's why this story made the news Um, yeah now to be fair the ending to the original book that fight club was based on does include an element of the protagonist being in a in a mental institution uh, however it doesn't go as far as the chinese senses <laughs> so imagine. you're saying there is maybe a kernel of truth or at least i mean i guess you know a, a charitable interpretation would be that the film producers you know decided how they wanted to end the film and mm-hmm. so why shouldn't the chinese censors decide <laughs> how they wanted to end the well, film well, you know and it's 2022 everyone can decide <laughs> if they prefer a different ending they can just go online yeah. and make it somehow yeah, exactly you know, animated put text over it yeah so uh that i mean and you we have a, a mutual friend actually charlie store who used to work at rti um, who who decided to kind of spin this off and ask <laughs> if you were Chinese censors kind of censoring a movie, how how might they end? Right. Um, so there were pretty good ones for uh, Avatar, uh, where uh, Pandorans are grateful for uh, modernization, the, the civilizing efforts. mission of the, <laughs> <Yes. yeah. laughs> and 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 they're not they're not really living in labor camps. Those are. <laughs> vocational education (laughs) (laughs) yeah i mean there's a a lot of different interpretations uh you can take it in a lot of different ways and we have any comments coming in from Um, yes we have uh a lot of highs a lot of hellos a lot of waves who's who's Uh, joining us uh we have gustavo lucas from uruguay we have sabrina gao we have uh herman kumar uh we also have jen delari and jen delari is asking china is taking personal uh head cannon to new heights um, <laughs> China is known to take a lot of things to new heights <laughs> or new lows depending on how you look at it there you go uh, we, to, uh, we have Gustavo Lucas saying early today I watched a Spanish Facebook live broadcast with your colleagues Andrea Wang and Sol Hong ah yes because the Spanish service thing yes. comes in here before us oh, or, is it right. before us or when do they come in well I guess I uh, guess presumably before us well, early today uh, Gustavo Lucas says that it was earlier today well there we so go Gustavo, Gustavo, that's, <laughs> his word is law So there has been um, there's, a, there's a kind of backstory to this. Uh, Lithuanian rum. I mean, you might not know that Lithuanian rum existed. Uh, a lot of people, including I was know, surprised. I was surprised, mm-hmm. including kind of members of you know Europe, uh, the mm-hmm. Lithuanian Parliament, Europe, uh, Lithuanian neighbours, Lithuanian neighbours. Yeah, exactly. Um, didn't know that Lithuania makes rum, but it does. Um, they Lithuania was trying to sell rum to to China. Um, over a controversy about Taiwan and Lithuania setting up 
representative offices in each other's countries, China uh, has blocked a lot of Lithuanian imports uh, into China. Um, but Taiwan, in this case, stepped in to save the rum. And I, I, I personally, I, I want to try this rum. I mean, mm -hmm. you know, it's it's fun to kind of... Mm -hmm. um, as a novelty. Yeah. yeah, you know, and, you know, it's, it's an interesting kind of, you know, you could even not drink the rum and keep the kind of little thing as mm -hmm. a souvenir yeah, of a, kind yeah. of an interesting point in history. But there has been um, some controversy, which some people are pointing at the, you know, the finger at China for being behind this, but I'm, I'm not sure you can necessarily legitimately pin this, which is that the, uh, the high price of Lithuanian rum, it's going to be uh, 600 NT here, which is about, uh, about $20 US dollars, I guess. Um, and it's selling for about a sixth of that price in China. Huh. So it's about six times higher here than it is or than it would have been sold for in china well if there's doubt i'm gonna add a question mark at the end of this. <laughs> <laughs> it's always topic. been like that yeah i mean according uh, you know, to chinese censors <laughs> so i mean i don't know would you were you gonna are you gonna get some of this rum i, I, was, I, I was thinking about it yeah, yeah well. definitely i mean i'm not a huge rum drinker myself but you know as you say it's an interesting kind of historical thing it has kind of political significance i guess if you will um and I'd like to see what the fuss is all about with this Lithuanian rum. Yeah. It's caused quite the, quite the stir, quite the scandal, what, what, so it what must be quite special. Rum, remind me, how do you make rum? Uh, from sugarcane. Sugarcane. Oh. Well, that's really why, isn't it? Isn't yeah. It? <laughs> Lithuania. Now, so I, I'm, I'm going to assume Lithuania has a pretty similar climate to Poland. And <laughs> I think it's that's a fair really assumption. Suitable, yeah. Not really suitable for, for growing sugarcane. Sugar yeah, it's not the kind of place, no. I imagine, kind of vast... No. Yeah, otherwise we would have been colonized by the U.S. <laughs> in the 19th century. Yeah, or the yeah UK indeed. Um, uh, uh, so yeah, I mean, so th there is a bit of online controversy about this. I suppose some people kind of think that there's a uh, it's kind of price gouging going mm. on. Um, uh, people are pointing that they, that you know this is, might be a kind of part of a kind of Chinese uh, information campaign. The first report com comparing the prices of Lithuanian rum in China and Taiwan came from. A Chinese media company mm -hmm. um, but you know it's kind of like in this case if it's true <laughs> it's not I don't know if that's really um, I don't know is that is that is that legitimate disinformation or it's not really misinformation it's just kind of information at right. that point I mean yeah. it, it was a it was a big story here in Taiwan yeah, um, Lithuanian rum. a lot of people ordered bottles of that rum mm. and I wouldn't be surprised if someone wanted to kind of throw a wrench in the works yeah. and, and just uh, turn the attention of the media and the, and the people away from the political significance of what's happening to just the fact that, uh, oh, now they're using uh, the the our goodwill against us and our, our, you know, price gouging. Yeah. Mm. yeah, 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 yeah. Just kind of trying to rain on rain on our parade um so to speak i actually don't know when these things are going on sale i mean i think they've arrived I, in they've Taiwan. arrived i think they're still held at customs i saw a picture <laughs> of well you say that but i saw there's someone um i think it's yoshi quinn i think he's the speaker of the the uh the legislature here i think it was him posting on facebook kind of like flaunting his, his rum bottle <laughs> so everyone's well, everyone this, else is waiting everyone wants everyone wants this rum um, it's funny because Taiwan isn't really actually a, i don't know how many people don't drink as much alcohol as, as, as they do in, like, Europe, for example? Well, so. you, you would be surprised because <laughs> there are certain types of alcohol that are very popular here, yeah. more so than in Europe, like whiskey, for yeah, example. Yeah, whiskey. Yeah, and yeah. rum, 
Um, now, I, I'm no industry insider, but I do <laughs> go to alcohol expos, actually. Um, I, I do well, have yeah, a, you're more a of an small, insider than <laughs> I do have a small collection of uh, nice liquors at home. Yeah. Uh, my wife and I do like en- enjoy do occasionally. We partake. We dabble <laughs> in alcohol. <laughs> Uh, so rum is, uh, some say, uh, going to be the next big thing oh, in Taiwan. Really? Oh, wow. Sipping rum specifically. Sipping rum? Yes. What is sipping rum? Well, rum that you sip as opposed to just put it in mixed drinks. And like is, is that kind of normally kind of higher quality? Yes, it's uh, higher quality. Like, I don't know about you guys, but I wouldn't drink Bacardi neat. No. Uh, I mean, I mean yeah, yeah. I'm, I'm sure there are very <laughs> nice kinds of Bacardi, but the the regular mm. stuff that you get in a supermarket. Yeah. Um, but sipping rum uh, is very um, smooth. It has a sweet aftertaste. Mm. It's it's almost dessert uh, liquor, like mm. something that you have a small shot of after a meal. Oh. Yeah. And was this like growing in kind of interest and popularity even before this whole Lithuanian oh, thing? Yes. Oh, yeah, okay. Yeah. So maybe this is going to speed up this the is kind the, of process. The spark that, yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, um, people will buy it for more than one reason, more yeah. than yeah. just the political Absolutely. aspect. Well, is the Lithuanian rum sipping rum, do you know, or is it just. I don't know, but uh, again, <laughs> I have my doubts. Gentilari <laughs> uh, actually uh, pointed out that maybe they are using sugar beets instead of sugar cane, mm. uh, which would make more sense. Yeah. Um, but again, coming from a country that grows a lot of sugar beets, I've never heard of anyone trying to turn those into <laughs> rum, uh, into moonshine. Yes, <laughs> not rum. A different thing. <laughs> maybe that's what... <laughs> Maybe that's what we're getting. Really. I see. Well, we'll maybe we'll... it just says rum because it's the closest thing to uh, you know, <laughs> fermented high percentage right, right, liquor right. made from sugar beets. Well, maybe mm. you want you know if 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 we're lucky, we'll get our hands on some of it and yeah. we'll we'll get yeah. to try well, it for uh, you. Tested live <laughs> for you. <laughs> Um, I'm actually going to go with this one. This is quite a funny story. So, um, a man in Taipei... I mean, I do feel... It doesn't reflect very well on Taipei's police force. Um, uh, who, in the best of times, are quite kind of... They're quite mild-mannered, I think yes. it's fair to say. Mm-hmm. Um, Which is great. I mean... Yeah, I mean, yeah, that's what you know what you want, really. My favorite type of interaction. <laughs> the fuzz. <Yeah. laughs> um, but a man in Taipei, he'd, he'd been... Um, Detained uh, supposedly for uh, illegal drug use, um, uh, surnamed Tsai, was arrested on Saturday evening and uh, taken to the the, the uh, you know what would you call that kind uh, of the uh, police station, the uh, police uh, station, hold, holding the, cell. yeah, the holding cell. Um, he was he was waiting to be interrogated. They pre- planned to send him to the prosecutor's office, but. Instead, they were going to do an online interrogation. Oh. <laughs> Just imagining like all the kind of like uh, so your mic's off, like, your, your microphone's no, sorry, now you got to face uh, your lighting's a bit bad, you know. Like, <laughs> can, can you please turn on the camera so I know you're not on your phone? <laughs> but that's actually that happens quite a lot these days. You know, you get like people joining via kind of court link or whatever yeah. in the UK, where it's like it's all done remotely, and then every now and then you read in like these stories that it's, it's like. Oh, like the the proceedings were delayed by like thirty minutes because of, of technical issues yeah. with the, the video feed um, because of Vodafone. Yeah, so there's a lot of lot lot, lot of going through, um, lot, of, lot of things changing in, in kind of law enforcement, I think. But um, uh, it seems like it was a busy day in this office in uh, or not this office, rather this police station, and a lot of officers were busy assisting with other suspects' interrogations. So there was only one officer left in the cell and four four people 
And so the guy just took took advantage of this man being distracted and just walked straight out. <laughs> <laughs> it's just like it wasn't even like a very grand. It's not like kind of a he was digging a tunnel with yeah. spoons or anything like that. I mean, I, I imagine most prison breaks uh, look like this. Yeah. <laughs> it, it, they're not sophisticated, elaborate plans where where people yeah. hide in like laundry hampers. But yeah, 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 it's just people walking out. It's just someone just being just, yeah, exactly. For no one to notice. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it's all about confidence isn't yeah, it you yeah. can get into a lot of i mean confidence is confidence and high-vis vests that's what yes. i've heard um my friend is just like you know you put on a high-vis vest you can get into any event <laughs> <laughs> you just walk straight into that thing and i was like oh yeah that man's that man's busy <laughs> right, he he's, he's, he's got something going yeah. on um so anyway just a kind of a bright little thing i mean this man was actually eventually detained again um mm-hmm. Uh, he took a taxi home after exiting the stage. <laughs> <laughs> there was no kind of running or anything. He was happy to go. Um, he, but he, he stopped on the way out to scan a, a pandemic yeah. QR yeah, code. Yeah, I mean, yeah. Very yeah, very responsible man. But uh, anyway, uh, a little <laughs> bright, funny moment. <laughs> and our last story for today, um, the... Uh, receipt lottery. I think we should probably briefly explain uh, that. Uh, Harrison, yeah, can you tell our viewers about the receipt lottery? Have you, oh gosh, I've never it? actually taken part in it, but <laughs> I know what it is because my friend is very into it. So um, whenever you get a receipt in Taiwan, please correct me if I'm wrong on this, but every, whenever you get a receipt in Taiwan, it has a you know a number on it, and then every few months there's a lottery, and you know you can win lots of money from your receipts. And I think they just released the November. And December winning lottery numbers, didn't they? Yeah. So you 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 don't collect these um uh, these numbers yourself. I have so many receipts at home. I've just never <laughs> actually bothered going through them. But I think when I have some free time over Chinese New Year, I might see if I've won anything. <laughs> Tom, actually, do you, I do, do, I do, 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 that, do, yeah. do the electronic kind of receipt? Um, no, I still ones? go through them. Yeah, no, I, I go through them manually oh. because I take the physical ones. Why? 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 I don't know. <laughs> it, it takes me uh, a surprisingly long amount it's a of long, time. It's a long thing. To switch, to adopt new solutions oh. sometimes. Mm. Sometimes I'm an early adopter. I was going to say, do you, do, 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 do you find it kind of like... Um, therapeutic to do that or? yeah I, I usually put on a youtube video yeah. I, I put uh the, the put up the numbers on the on a on my other screen or a tablet and then i just kind of watch some stuff and and, and go through the receipts oh, that's kind of nice, yeah, nice like i mean I, I personally just use this uh barcode and it gets scanned in and supposedly done all automatically although i actually haven't claimed any i've, I've won before like only like 200 nt or you know i guess mm. what is that um about uh, uh, $200 dollars maybe uh, something like that yeah seven eight dollars um but anyway some people win big if you get the right numbers mm. um uh, a woman in tainan a customer who bought a tea beverage for only four nt that's uh 14 us cents uh has won 10 million nt wow. what is that uh, again that's about 300 thousand uh, uh yeah three hundred thousand dollars that would be around that that is amount, yeah that is wild mm-hmm. what would you spend three hundred thousand dollars on Ooh, um <laughs> i would probably save most of it maybe yeah. start a business okay well so now uh that i've covered the responsible stuff i would also buy myself uh an amazing video gaming rig Oh, um, top of the line, everything. You'd and be like kind of a whole I room. Could, I would probably spend most of it on just a graphics card because of the shortage. Uh, because oh, yeah. no one can get you anything. You go straight at to TSMC and put like <laughs> put an order in. I want to invest in your company, <laughs> Harrison. What would you get? 
Oh gosh, what would well, I one, get? Okay, forget forgetting you know charity and nice mm, things. What yeah, would be yeah. the kind of treat thing, treat that you would get yourself? I'd get a really nice holiday. I think. Yeah. I mean, this whole year feels like oh, feels like a holiday anyway in Taiwan. But I'd go on a really really nice holiday. Maybe to Kunding or somewhere really nice. Well, like, you're going to Kunding, you know. Yeah, yeah. but I'm going to Kunding on a budget, like seven people in one hostel room kind of thing. I'd do like a really you make a bit fancy of a special host- one. Yeah, yeah, a special <laughs> yeah. holiday. Well, if you want, you could get your own private room for about a hundred thousand US dollars. <laughs> Because that's how much they cost in Kending. Yeah, really wild. Um, yeah, I, I, I'm not going to answer that question because I haven't thought of anything, and I'm, I'm in control here. <laughs> anyway, this has been here uh, in Taiwan. I'm Stash Butler, and I'm Harrison K, and I'm Thomas Copper. Join us again on, uh, on, 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 yeah, on Monday. Uh, the, uh, Leslie and I, uh, probably Leslie and I will. Uh, no, sorry, Shirley and I will be uh, hosting on Friday. Yes, we'll catch join us Thomas then. then. We'll catch you then. Newsmakers, a look at Taiwan's movers and shakers. Hello and welcome to Newsmakers. In this week's edition, we take a break from profiling people and instead take a look at an organization that seems to be present in Taiwan's headlines almost without break, Taiwan's Air Force. China has been intensifying pressure on Taiwan in the past years in a variety of ways, one of which is probing Taiwan's defensive capabilities with military provocations. At the vanguard of Taiwan's response to that threat is the Air Force, deploying its relatively limited resources as necessary. But before we get to recent developments and the strain they put on this branch of the military, let's take a brief look at its history. The Republic of China Air Force, which is the service's official name, was founded in 1920 by the Kuomintang in the form of the Aviation Ministry in Canton. At the time, a staggering variety of aircraft were in use in China, operated by a hodgepodge of military forces. It was, after all, a period of struggle for power between military strongmen. As a result of this conflict, the Aviation Ministry was dismantled and the history of ROCAF as a unified force picks up again in 1929 when Chiang Kai-shek set up an aviation class in the Republic of China Military Academy. At the time, the core of ROCAF's fleet was composed of American aircraft. When the Second Sino-Japanese War broke out in 1937 following a Japanese invasion, the Air Force's frontline fighters were still Curtis Hawk II and Hawk III biplanes with a smattering of Boeing P-26 monoplanes popularly known as P-shooters. When pilots of this model encountered Japanese Mitsubishi A-5Ms, they engaged in one of the world's first dogfights in which both sides used all-metal monoplane designs, something which would quickly become an all-too-familiar sight across all theaters of World War II. Unfortunately for the ROCAF and the Republic of China in general, a large portion of the Air Force was wiped out early in the conflict, partially due to Japanese successes in breaking Chinese codes. Fighting a defensive war against a better-equipped opponent, China's air force was aided by foreign contingents. 
Many listeners may be familiar with the first American volunteer group, better known as Flying Tigers, operating the sleek and iconic Curtis P-40B Warhawks in the skies above China. However, fewer may realize that for a number of years prior to the establishment of the Flying Tigers, a contingent of Soviet pilots and airplanes had been deployed in China to help fight the Japanese. That included mainly Polikarpov I-15 biplanes and I-16 monoplanes, and later a number of TB-3, ANT-40, and DB-3 bombers. Upon arrival in China, the Soviet pilots found the local air force reduced to under 100 planes, which they described as belonging in a museum of antiquity. The Soviets left China in 1939, following the signing of a non-aggression pact between the Soviet Union and Germany. As a result, the KMT turned to the United States for help, and after some necessary preparations, the first contingent of American volunteers began operation in China in 1941. After the Japanese surrender in 1945, the ROCAF took part in the Chinese Civil War between the KMT and the Chinese Communist Party, and was evacuated to Taiwan along with other ROC government structures in 1949. Because of the then-overt support from the U.S., the ROCAF operated American-made fighters such as the F-86, F-100, F-104, and eventually the F-5 throughout the Cold War. Because it occasionally engaged with the People's Liberation Army, it helped its U.S. allies test weapon systems such as the AIM-9 Sidewinder air-to-air missile or the U-2 spy plane. After Taiwan democratized in the 1990s, the military fell on hard times. Distrusted by the population for its association with the former authoritarian government and underfunded, it also faced the issue of growing U.S. resentment to openly supply Taiwan with defensive measures. When the USA first declined to sell new generation fighter jets to Taiwan in the 1980s, work on developing an indigenous fighter began. This resulted in the FCK-1 Indigenous Defense Fighter, currently the second most numerous fighter in the Taiwanese fleet, following the F-16 which were eventually sold to Taiwan. The Taiwanese fighter jet fleet also includes a number of French Mirage 2000s and a handful of rapidly aging American F-5s. The Air Force has been in Taiwanese headlines for quite some time now, ever since Taiwan's Ministry of National Defense started publishing detailed reports on Chinese incursions into Taiwan's air defense identification zone. That zone, which covers the entire Taiwan Strait and parts of China's Fujian, Zhejiang and Jiangxi provinces, was set up by the United States after World War II. It is a contentious and ill-defined concept, lacking codification and regulation by any international body. Incident reports often include the median line running along the middle of the Taiwan Strait as reference. Flights taking place on the western side of the line are not reported as incursions. Most of those incidents happen in the zone's southwestern part or involve Chinese warplanes crossing the median line itself. China seems to be using these incursions as a way to intimidate the Taiwanese population, test the alertness of Taiwan's air force, and force the country to pour resources into maintaining its fleet of interceptors. This is because every incursion of this type necessitates deployment of Taiwan's own aircraft that accompany and monitor Chinese planes until they leave the zone. The strain this puts on both military personnel and equipment occasionally manifests in the form of accidents, some of them fatal. Four fatal crashes have been made public in the last two years alone. In October 2020, an F-5E jet crashed to the ground during a routine flight, claiming the life of the pilot. Less than a month later, an F-16 disappeared off the radar during a training mission. Neither the body of the pilot nor the wreckage of the machine have been found. In March 2021, two F-5E aircraft collided in mid-air again during training. 
Neither of the two pilots involved survived the crash. The latest accident took place on January 11th this year when a recently upgraded F-16V fighter jet went missing during a drill. The pilot was pronounced dead after a large-scale search and rescue operation uncovered his remains and pieces of the machine's wreckage. The cause of the crash has not as of yet been determined, although the black box has been recovered and its contents are being analyzed. These are just the major incidents reported on by the media because they involve the loss of human life. A string of lesser mishaps have received more limited coverage and one can only assume that many go unreported. Experts point out that pilot fatigue and wear and tear of equipment may have contributed to, if not outright caused, these crashes, as well as many before them. Incessant intrusions into Taiwan's air defense zone by China's Air Force are putting serious strain on resources which are spread thin as it is. China's People's Liberation Army Air Force dwarfs ROCAF in terms of manpower, equipment and funding, despite the fact that Taiwan pours roughly 9% of all its defense spending into intercepting Chinese flights. China also likes to intensify its harassment around important dates like Taiwan's National Day in October or ahead of national elections, which, at least in my mind, make the true purpose of these efforts crystal clear. In light of this, it is perhaps not surprising that Taiwan's Ministry of National Defense made the decision to publicize Chinese incursions, possibly in the hopes of bringing international attention to these events. This brings us to the end of this episode of Newsmakers. Join me next week for another look at Taiwan's movers and shakers. Ladies and gentlemen, here's Shirley Lin with In the Spotlight. Welcome to In the Spotlight. I'm Shirley Lin. David Chen is a creative agency director and an entrepreneur. David grew up in the States and studied illustrations, drawing, and painting. He is into a lot of things, including broadcasting, motion graphics, and TV and film graphics. David talked about branding last week because Taiwan is a land of opportunities that it's more than night markets and cheap eats. Today, David talks about Gaki Hip, the Taiwan version of the Instagram Museum. Let's talk about the latest uh, thing that you've started called Gaki Hip. Yeah. Okay. Gaki Hip is uh, my newest project that um, I'm doing on my own, a new company that I've opened up. And basically, it's an Instagram museum. In the States, Instagram museums within the past kind of three to five years have been really huge. They've okay. been really blowing up. I think one of the most famous um, Instagram museums called the Museum of Ice Cream where they have oh. like a really Instagrammable setups, but the theme is in, uh, ice cream. Uh -huh. But for Gaki Hip, the difference is our theme is revolves around Taiwan, that uh -huh. everything, all of the setups have something to do with Taiwan. Yeah, this is really a new concept in Taiwan, you know, Instagram museums. Yeah. yeah. And the other thing that sets it, us apart from other exhibitions like when I've gone to other exhibitions the workers there they're like oh don't touch that don't oh, don't yeah. do this don't okay. stand there and it's like oh man it really ruins your experience yeah but for us our staff is part of the experience we've told them you're not allowed to say no okay. you're not allowed to say things negatively they have to find a positive way of saying it and they're there and I tell them you're here you're part as much part of the exhibition as 
everything else. So don't wait for people to ask you a question. When you see someone, go introduce yourself. They'll tell a little story. They'll tell you a background. And it's, the response has been really great. Like uh, we get a lot of Instagrammers, uh, KOLs, uh, TikTokers, YouTubers, and then they, they always say, oh, I thought I was just going to go there, take pictures. But then mm-hmm. a lot of people got touched emotionally that it helped reintroduce them to their roots. Um, they learned something new about Taiwan. So... Yeah, and then we're really emphasizing the overall experience. Like one of our taglines is that Gaki Hip isn't just for your eyes, your nose and your mouth won't be left out as well. Uh-huh. So we try to engage all the senses. So there are things whereas um, we have a sense throughout smells, uh, so your nose is engaged. Uh-huh. Um, we have uh, this display where these, they're old retro Taiwanese payphones. And then oh. every time you pick it up, it plays a sound that represents the sounds of Taiwan. Oh, okay. So maybe it's your ama telling you, ah, like Japan, you uh-huh. know, Japan yeah, way. Yeah. yeah, let's have dinner. Or sounds of like the MRT, or I think one of the most famous sounds of Taiwan is the trash truck. Trash truck, I knew yeah. you were going to say that. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> okay. Wow. How long did it take you to set this up? This whole uh, thing. It's about a year or two in the okay. making. It yeah. would have been faster if not COVID. Mm-hmm. COVID really, really delayed us. But yeah. I think I took advantage of that extra time and we developed things further. So we could have opened sooner, but having had that extra downtime, things were developed further. And it's, it's a lot better now than it would have been if, it, if we opened like a year ago or yeah. maybe six, eight months prior. Right. Wow, that is so cool. So um, when you said you've got staff, you know, personnel on hand to help people, you know, like not say no and just do everything. Mm-hmm. Are they wearing black? <laughs> they have our, the Gaki Hip t-shirts. Uh, okay, and then what color is that? It's just a white t-shirt okay. with okay. the uh, Gaki Hip logo okay. on it. But then we also have a, um, a brand partner, Ilun, and they made special Gaki Hip uh, face masks. So it's very colorful, matches the color scheme of everything. Oh, wow. And then, oh, yeah, I forgot to mention other, we have other brand partners where there's one of the installations is a giant boba cup spilling out giant boba balls. Uh And then Chunyang is one of our brand partners. So everyone gets a uh, specially um, made uh, drink by Chunyang. So each is like a cubicle of different themes yeah and you move from one to the other you kind of wander there's a, a path that you go on so you're not meant to go backwards it's kind of like mm-hmm. ikea where you start out and yeah, then yeah, yeah, you, yeah. you have a little journey from beginning to end yes so no wonder when you walk away from the boba thing then you get a, a, a real glass you know yeah. of, um, boba drink oh so i get it now you really have all your five senses you know like experience everything walking through this is getting cool it's really fun you know, you haven't explained how this name Gaki Hip comes from. Yeah, Gaki Hip has two meanings. So the first one is that Gaki in um, Japanese folklore is a hungry ghost, a ghost that has an insatiable hunger. Mm. And then hip meaning, you know, hip meaning you know what's cool. Right. So our tagline is uh, Gaki Hip is a place for those who hunger for things new and cool. So that kind of explains those people on Instagram. They're always looking for the newest, coolest thing to search after, to capture. That's a, that's a good name. Very smart. Very yeah. smart. 
But there's also another meaning to it. Yeah, and then the second meaning is gaki hip is a transliteration of Taiwanese, meaning selfie. Selfie. So gaki, gaki yeah, hip. Yeah, gaki like, means self, and then hip, like, you know, take a photo. Yeah, yeah. digipai. Yeah, right, right. Cool. That is really, really cool. So um, how big is the whole place, and how many, how many different themes or rooms are there? The whole, to, yeah. The whole place about 190 ping. So. Okay, I don't know. <laughs> We're so bad feet. at this. Anyway, how many different themes? How many different, um, you know? There's about 15, 16 installations in the yeah, whole place. Okay, so it can you can spend like what, an hour in there? Yeah, it's if you go through quickly, it's about an hour. So really I quickly, think, if it's an hour. Wow. Yeah, so it's about be... an hour, hour and a half to go from beginning to end. So. Not only, like, for example, you get a boba drink uh, when you walk out of, away from that boba point thing, but um, you also, like, you get to try on different clothes as well? No, not clothes. Okay, not clothes, but... Well, oh, you were saying about masks, right? You know, a different a different mask, because now with COVID, we have to wear masks, and that, so you go into each different rooms, they'll be, they'll give you a themed mask to wear? No, uh, well, we do have special gaki hip branded mask that oh, okay. the VIP yeah. get to have because yeah. we have a little VIP swag bag that has like special gifts because mm. uh, for example like uh, Kim Lan Jin Lan is another one of our uh, brand partners it's a soy, soy, soy sauce, sauce brand so I, I believe they're Taiwan's number one largest soy sauce producer yes, yes. so in one of the rooms we have a soy sauce flavored soft serve ice cream I don't know. You've tried it, right? <laughs> yeah. How does it taste? Oh, uh, it's, it's great. It's, it's pretty much just like um, caramel salted, you know, okay. salted caramel ice cream. Very, okay. very similar. Yeah. But we have a special branded bottle of soy sauce that is also in the uh, VIP uh, swag bags. Oh, nice. Yeah. Oh, okay. And then we also have like a pine. We we have another pineapple room. So we have these pineapple giant room. pineapples. Yeah. And then you'll have a pineapple macaron that you yeah. can eat as well. Oh. But then um, a lot of the uh, installations are very interactive. Mm. So for example, there's one, um, call it the money room or the billion dollar room, where we have stacked a giant pallet of 2000 NT bills. And it's oh. about a billion dollars if you count the value of it. And you, we have like a money gun so you can shoot the, the bills out of the money gun. We have a money counter so that it can you can uh, count the money. You can mm. throw it up in the air. So there's a lot of things that are interactive. It's not you go there just stand in front of something and, and take, picture. take a picture. But this is like you're you're part of it. Like uh, there's another one where it's the plum blossom tub. Mm-hmm. Since uh, Taiwan uh, national flower is the plum blossom, uh-huh. so we have a, a tub that's filled with plum blossoms. So you can soak in the tub and throw the the flowers in the air or something like that. Well, the flowers are fake, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> and then we have another uh, one that we have a COVID room, actually, and it's based on, it <laughs> represents Taiwan's fight against COVID, giving oh, okay. props to kind of like the frontline workers or the government kind of helping us stay COVID free. So there we have there are these giant virus balls hanging, but then you can also hold a shield representing uh Taiwan's defense against COVID, uh-huh. or there are also these guns that you can use about Taiwan's offensive, you know, fighting fighting off COVID. You're listening to In the Spotlight with Shirley Lin. I'm speaking with David Chen, the founder of Gucky Hip, which is the Taiwan version of the Instagram Museum. 
So I mean,、um, people should film while their friends are in in the picture. Yeah,、oh, definitely. So you either film, but you can also take photos. But actually, it means like because it's interactive that you advise to film as well.、Mm-hmm. Wait, how long did you guys come up with all these ideas? Sixteen of them, you say? Yeah. I mean, you guys like brainstormed quite a few sessions.、Uh, well, will they change over time after a period of time? Yeah, sixteen、uh, cubicles or whatever. Because we're planning on having like about two exhibitions a year. Okay. And if this one goes well, we're thinking of having it moving down to Gaoshong、oh, for the second、okay. one, and then when we return back to Taipei. We'll think about what needs to be changed. What are the least favorite ones? What did people like? What should stay? What should go? Uh huh. So maybe like change every six months, kind of thing. Potentially, we'll、yeah. see. But we also want to give a sense of、um, how do I explain it? It's like so hard to explain. So you're saying that just go experience it, yeah. right? Yeah. yeah, that's the that's the solution. Yeah, because I think there I haven't experienced anything like this in in Taiwan. No, you know I think there. Aspects of it that are seen in、yes. other places, but not something that kind of combines everything together like this. So I think it's it'll be something very new, something very unique. Yeah, it's all after the theme of fun, like just having fun, you know, and then getting to know Taiwan as you're having fun.、Mm-hmm. Um, that's the feeling I got from this. Yes. Yeah. yeah, and I think part of the for me the underlying larger vision is to kind of change people's perceptions of Taiwan.、Mm. I think from outsiders, how Taiwan is kind of branded is that oh, come to Taiwan because it's really cheap. You know,、mm. oh, cheap eats, night markets, that type of stuff. And then other people perceive like the cool things coming out of places like Korea or Japan. And the way that the the trends are going, Instagram is like a big driver. Of, of things that a lot of people discover new things through Instagram, or they did a survey. I think it was like forty-eight percent of Instagram users use Instagram to choose their destination spot when traveling. Uh huh. So the thing with Instagram and things that are Instagrammable is like a modern visual international international visual language that no matter what language you speak, no matter where in the world you come from. If it's Instagrammable, everybody appreciates it.、Mm. So trying to do something that is very now, something that's very relevant, something that anyone from around the world can appreciate, but using Taiwan as a source of inspiration. So it's not taking something old and making it new. I think it's about doing something that's just really cool, something really visual that everyone can appreciate, but using Taiwan as a source of of inspiration. What's the next thing you're gonna try? I have a lot of things on on my list of. <laughs> I can tell that、yeah. brain there is like got lots of ideas. Is、Just、there anything in the works right now? One step at a time. One、well, step at a time. Got to get Gaki Hip. Gaki Hip, yeah, which is fairly new. Well, if people want to check out Gaki Hip,、uh, is there like a a link or something? Yeah, you can go to gakihip dot com.、Um, So that's G A K I H I P one word dot com dot com correct.、All、But、right. tickets will only be sold in limited amounts. Oh, you want to limit the number of people? Yeah,、there. I think、right. two things because even before kind of COVID or COVID restrictions, we always wanted to people to have more of a premium experience. Because、mm-hmm. going to other exhibitions, one of the most common complaint is people are like, "Oh, it's too crowded. I can't get a good picture because there's、yeah. too many people." And I think with a lot of those other exhibitions. What they care about is making money, so they try to cram as many people、uh, yeah. in as possible.、Uh-huh. But for us, we want people to have a good experience. 
So the whole thing is we're staggering entry so that people don't get bunched up. The numbers that we came up with that we wanted it so limited that it actually fell within the COVID kind of guidelines of how many people can be indoors at at one time. Great. It's been a lot of fun and trying to imagine. I mean, I haven't been to Gakihit, but, you know, I can almost picture it. Um, Sounds like a great, cool new idea in Taiwan that you've brought in, which is awesome. I think Taiwan needs to expand its imagination and creativity. And that's why you're here. Thank you so much, David. Good luck with everything. Good luck with Gakihip. Yeah. (laughs) Thank you. All right. Thank you for tuning in to Radio Taiwan International, Taiwan's national broadcaster. We hope you enjoyed our programs. You can catch all of our latest news, audio, and video features on our website at en.rti.org.tw. Again, go to our website en.rti.org.tw for engaging news, videos, and programs about Taiwan. If you'd like to hang out on social media, RTI is there too. Our Facebook URL is Radio Taiwan International. And you can watch our engaging video features, including the weekly news magazine program Taiwan Insider, on our YouTube channel, RTI English. Again, our YouTube channel is RTI English. For those who enjoy the Twitter sphere, our handle for Taiwan Insider is at Taiwan Insider. For RTI English, it's at Radio Taiwan underscore ENG. And if you'd like to enjoy us on your smartphone, just download our app RTI to go. That's one of the best ways to enjoy all our news, videos, and programs. That's RTI to go. If you're a shortwave listener, we have two channels in Asia. For South Asia, tune into 6100 kilohertz from 1600 to 1700 UTC. To Southeast Asia, you can hear us on 15320 kilohertz from 0300 to 0400 UTC. We would love to know what you think of our programs. Email us at english at rti.org.tw. Thank you again for tuning in to Radio Taiwan International. (laughs) 